guess my Bible will help. Well, uh, now that we're back from Ireland, uh, I thought it'd be great to just jump back into the Old Testament, which uh, a really good testimony about that. Um, some of the missionaries that we were talking to that have been in Ireland almost 13 years um, were uh, really just struggled to bring the gospel to people who, on one, on one hand, are post-Roman Catholic. And when I mean post, it's like we're leaving it, we're out of it, we're done with that. On one hand, on the other hand, they're very much uh, postmodern, uh, secular uh, mindset. And so the, uh, receiving the gospel is really hard, and, and bringing it to people is really, it's a very hard place to bring the gospel. However, um, they uh, found a little success using a guy named Paul Miller's book on Ruth. I think it's called like A Loving Life or something like that. But it's, uh, um, it's an Old Testament book. And it's all about love, and um, they, if that has had, they've gotten a little traction with that because Roman Catholics in particular uh, don't, they, the, you know, the Old Testament just doesn't come into the picture very often. So we're going to be in the book of Jonah uh, over the next five weeks and uh, preached this a long time ago, as a matter of fact. Actually, when I first came to Jacksonville, and Andrew helped me preach it. I remember that. Do you remember that a little bit? Yeah. And so, uh, but it'll be a little bit different this time, uh, as it's, it's one of those books that's very rich, and, uh, and, and it, depending on the season of life you're in or whatever, it can really have uh, a lot of different things to say to us, and different ways of showing us um, the gospel. But the normal take on Jonah uh, is, uh, is, don't be like Jonah. Just don't be like him, right? And so very much... It's a very typical children's Sunday school curriculum. You know, be like David, don't be like Saul, definitely don't be like Samson, you know, because he, he liked women too much and ended up, you know, you know anyway, you know, y'all know the story, right? It was not a good ending. He ended up dying with a whole bunch of Philistines or whatever. So don't be like Jonah because Jonah was, uh, he, he was disobedient and runs away from God. Therefore, God sent a big fish to swallow him up. And so therefore, little children particularly, don't be like Jonah because if you disobey God, he's going to swallow you with a fish. So be a good little boys and girls, right? That's how we normally might take that. The, the problem, and so Jonah, as an adult though, you know, he repents in the belly of the fish and the fish spits him out onto dry land. And so he, he goes... He does what he, he obeys God. He preaches to the Ninevites. Happy, happy ending. You know, everybody's happy at the end, right? No. That might be the moral of the story, but the problem with the Book of Jonah is it doesn't end that way. Yes, he does finally relent, and he goes and he does what God wants him to do, and he preaches judgment to these Ninevites, and they repent, which he had feared all along. And at the end of the story, he's distraught. He's angry. And he sits up on a hill, pouting. And that's the end of the story. So what is the story of Jonah about? Well, it's about running. It's about running from God. Um, actually, not just one way of running from God, but two ways of running from God. And we're going to see that over the next five weeks. 
and how this kind of plays out, what it really kind of means for us. But there's actually two ways from running from God. There's one way of running from God is actually running away from Him. The other is running away from God by running towards Him. And we'll explain that as we go. But before we get started with all of that, and before we dig in deeper, we, we need to ask the question, you know, why did he run in the first place? This book starts, and it says, God called him and said, I want you to go to preach to the Ninevites, and he takes off. He runs, literally runs away from God. Um, and so why did he run? It reminds me of a time when uh, I was growing up. I was probably 10 years old. My brother was a couple years older than me. And he was beginning that point, getting that point where he would start to prepare to get his learner's license. Maybe I was a little older. Maybe I was like 11 or 12. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But he was at that point about to get his learner's license. And so he had convinced my mom to let him go get in the car before anybody else got in the car and start the car. Which was great, right? Um, and so one, this happened one time we were there and my mom and I are standing outside of the driver's door the window is down. My brother gets in the car, and he starts the car. And I decide to, uh, the, to uh, encourage him to rev the engine, you know. And this is like a really mean, powerful little four-cylinder engine, you know. You know, this really sounds great. And I'm telling him, rev the engine. I'm like, rev it some more. The problem, though, was this was an, not an automatic it was a stick shift. And so for those of y'all who don't know the mechanics, okay, just you don't have to know very much other than there's this thing called a clutch. And as long as that's pushed in, the car won't go anywhere. But if that car is in gear and you let go of that pedal, the car goes. And so my brother's revving the engine. He's revving the engine. I'm like, rev it harder. And I don't know why, how, or any of that, but my brother decided to let go of that pedal. And he takes off, tires smoking and all, down the driveway towards the house. Very fast. And he goes under the carport. And at the end of the carport was our laundry room. And he crashes through the wall and lands, or, and it collides in my mom's new washer and dryer. Okay, and so my mom and I are just standing there like... And my mom's like, you know, screaming, freaking out or whatever. And I'm just, <laughs> and the funniest thing happened. No. My brother jumps out of the car and runs down the road. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I, I, I was dying loud. <laughs> to this day, I still think it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. But like, why did he run? It's a good question, right? Why would he run down the road? I mean, was he, I think it just freaked him out so bad. He ran down the road. And I just, every time I think of Jonah, I think of my brother jumping out of that car and running down the road. He, he just wanted to get out of there. Whatever had just happened, he was done with. You know? I don't think he was hurt. But he was out of there. And that's what we see with Jonah. Here in Jonah, we see two main reasons he ran. We're going to see in depth a little bit more the motivations behind all this and get deeper into why. But there's two main reasons, and I think we need to listen to them because I think we very often do the same thing. So first of all, we see Jonah ran 
Because God's call seemed just ludicrous. So look in verses 1 and 2. It says, um, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to that great city and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so, what is, what God is basically saying, I want you to go to the Ninevites and preach judgment to them. And Jonah, he just, he just goes. He runs. He doesn't just run. He says he, he's, he, he, he heads to Tarshish. It's what we, with archaeologists, have basically have discovered that it's basically across the sea. It is as far away a place as you could go. It was on the edge of the known civilized world. Beyond that, the map stopped. It might have, he might have gone to the edge of the earth. And he, he was going as far away in the opposite direction as he could. Why? And here's the thing, too, is he just runs. You notice that? Like, one of the things I, I noticed about this is that he doesn't protest. You notice that? He doesn't say he protested, he complained, or anything like that. And, I think that's appropriate. Have you ever read the Psalms? Have you ever read the Psalms? And, and you ever seen some of the Psalms? They're all just like complaining to God. And let me tell you, it is okay at times to complain and protest to God. And say, God, this stinks. I don't like it. This, I don't know what's going on here. And that's what David does. He's like, he's goes. And, and Psalm 88 is my favorite because a lot of the Psalms... You know, he'll complain like halfway, and then halfway through, he'll say, but God, you're awesome, blah, 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 you do all this great stuff. Psalm 88 doesn't even do that. It just, the whole thing is bad. And sometimes that's, that's more realistic, right? It's like, I don't see, there is no but God today. It's just bad. And so Jonah, instead of, you know, instead of doing what David did and saying, you know, just pro- pro- protesting and complaining a little to God, God can handle that, by the way, Okay. God can handle it. He can handle your complaints. However, Jonah just takes off. It's far away. He can't. And so why? Why would he do that? Because he, I think in his mind, in his heart, what God was calling him to do was so outlandish, so ludicrous, all he could think to do was to go the other way. Okay, let's think about it, okay? First of all, for God to call a Jew, Jewish man, a prophet nonetheless, to even go to a place like Nineveh was unheard of. Because the Ninevites were known to be horrible, terrible people. Y'all remember Veggie Tales? They slapped each other with fish. Just kidding. It was worse than that. But, first of all, think about it. For him, a Jewish man, to go to Nineveh was basically a death wish. They hated the Jews. The Jews hated them. And as a matter of fact, later in history, after this fact, they will come and they will destroy the northern kingdom and wipe it out. So so one person put it this way. It would be equivalent. So, for example, how long... Would it take for a Jewish rabbi in 1941 if he had gone in the streets of Berlin and called on Nazi Germany to repent? How long would he last? Not long. 
So this is Nineveh. I mean, this is what Jonah is thinking about going to Nineveh. He's thinking, if I go, I'm dead, first of all. However, also, so this Nineveh was in a country called Assyria. And Assyria is one of the most the cruelest and most violent empires in ancient times. You can't find one that was worse. They really slapped hard with those fish. But no, for real, okay? No, like I'll just list some of these. Assyrian kings often recorded the results of their military victories gloating over um, the, the whole plains, whole fields littered with corpses. Cities burned completely to the ground. Um, the emperor um, Shalmaneser III was well known for depicting torture, dismembering, and decapitations of his enemies and grisly details on like stone relief panels. Um, um, they, they would capture their enemies. And the, uh, the Syrians would typically cut off their legs and one arm, leaving one arm so they could shake their hand, mocking them as they died. Um, they would uh, pull their skin off. They would uh, dis, uh, dismember. I mean, it was just horrible. They would pull out their tongues. They would stretch them with rope and splay them. Their skin, they would display their skins on the walls. They would burn children alive. And those who survived the destruction of their cities were uh, um, fated to endure cruel and violent forms of slavery. One, one person put it this way. They were as, as gory and blood-curdling a history as we know. And, so, and this is what God is calling Jonah to go preach to. Now, he is going to preach judgment. But we know later on in the book, he tells God, I didn't want to go preach judgment to them because there was a chance that they would repent. And we later find out that they did. He didn't want to go preach to them. He wanted to see them die. He he didn't want to give any chance that they would escape God's judgment. He wanted them all to burn. But what God was calling him to do was, was so crazy, so outlandish, so ludicrous, he just runs the other way. And, but contrast that with, so for example, Abraham. Y'all know the story of Abraham? When Abraham says, I want you to take your son Isaac up onto a mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him. I mean, you've got to imagine, like, what was Abraham thinking? But Abraham followed the call, even when it was crazy. Or another great example, when Master Miyagi told Daniel's son to wax on and wax off. Or in the new one, pick up the coat, throw the coat, put, put it on, take it off. You know what I'm talking about? Right? It's a moment where we don't understand what God is calling us to. We, we don't get it. But however, God is calling us to do it. So here's a good question for you. Is God calling you to do something that seems absolutely crazy? Or is, has God put you in your life, in your situation, and you're looking at it and you're thinking, God, what in the world is going on? And we're very often tempted to run, aren't we? When we don't, when we don't make, it doesn't make sense, and it seems like God has lost his marbles, are we willing to follow him? Or do we run? Now, Jonah ran, like literally ran. He got on a boat to go to the place as far away as he could. Others of us run in other ways, right? The proverbial head in the sand. It reminds me of when um, Knox was little. 
we play hide and go seek. And he would like find like a pile of laundry or something, and he would stick his head in the laundry, and, like as if he was hiding. But the rest of his body was out in the open, and that's very often what we would do. We like we we just kind of pretend like God isn't there. We're like the proverbial head in the laundry basket, thinking we're hiding. And here's the thing: you cannot run. From the presence of God. Jonah must have known that. But his logic just went out the window. And he's like, God can't live in Tarshish. So I'm going to go to Tarshish. But we cannot escape the presence of God. But God, uh, Jonah also ran, secondly, because, God, because he didn't sense and realize his need of God's grace. So here's the thing. Jonah ran... Because he believed that the Ninevites didn't deserve God's mercy. He wanted them to burn. Reminds me of when um, uh, bin Laden, the terrorist, caused 9-11. When he was captured, or not captured, when he was basically assassinated and he was killed. We celebrated that. I celebrated that. But in, in reflection, though, I've had to ask myself... You know, why am I celebrating that? Here's a man who desperately needed the mercy and grace of God. And he didn't get it. But we celebrate because he did terrible things, right? I mean, he did horrible things. And, and so we can relate to Jonah here. The Ninevites, in all of our minds, they were, they were as worse, worse than any terrorist we know today. They knew brutality, and they knew it well, and they, they were experts at it. And so Jonah ran because he believed the Ninevites didn't deserve God's mercy. He ran because he knew that if he went and, and preached to them, even judgment, that there was a chance that they would repent, and he didn't want to give it to them. Do you ever feel like that, sir, somebody? Do you ever feel like that person needs to be damned by God. And it's in us, isn't it, sometimes? When somebody hurts us, or our family, or wrongs us, and we hang on, we're like, I will not forgive that person because they did this to me. It's the same thing. When we refuse to extend forgiveness and mercy to somebody, even if they harmed us and hurt us in, a, in hard ways, okay, uh, it's the same thing is Jonah heading for Tarshish, running away, okay? And so basically what it means is that when Jonah looked at the Ninevites, he basically said or thought to himself, at least I'm not as bad as they are. At least I'm not as bad as that guy, as bad as them. Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that? I have. You know, I look at people, I look at groups of people or different things, and I think, you know, I'm not, they're not, at least I'm not as bad as them. You know, that's one of the things about self-justification or being able to justify ourselves or make ourselves seem right in our own eyes. We, you can always find somebody a little worse, right? You know, and, and it might be in the craziest ways, you know? It's like, I'm not a great parent, but at least I don't let them stay up till two. Eating Cheetos. Right? 
I might neglect my children, but... Jesus addresses this in a couple of places. Um, The first one I want to mention is in Luke chapter 18. And he talks about two men who come to a temple. Just read along with me. You got it? Yeah, here we go. He says, he told them this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Does that sound familiar? Sounds a little bit like Jonah here, right? He says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And so, just real quickly, a Pharisee was one of the Jewish religious leaders of the day. They were experts in righteousness, quote-unquote. They were experts in God. They were religious guys. And the tax collectors were basically, they would embezzle from people. They were just some scuzz bags. They were the kind of people you didn't want your kids hanging out with. Okay? Verse 11, the Pharisee, standing up by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortionists, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven. But beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And what Jonah missed here was that he himself, in comparison to God, was as wicked as any Ninevite. So he was comparing himself to the wrong thing. Okay? So if you're looking to other people and saying, at least I'm not as bad as those people, the problem is you're making the wrong comparison. If you, now, if we start comparing ourselves to a righteous, holy, perfect God... The Ninevites might be a little lower than us, but we're just barely above them. Because one sin against an infinite, perfect, righteous God is is as bad as any other. And so, Jesus says, if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. And those who try to exalt themselves will be humbled. There's another story very similar to this that Jesus uh, shares with us as well. And uh, here, this is a story, uh, verse 36, chapter 7. All right, good. Hey, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she had learned that he was reclining at the table uh, in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind his, him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisees, Pharisee who had invited him saw this, said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. 
a certain moneylender had two debtors. And one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he had counseled a larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. What he's saying here is, he could speak to Jonah. He'd be like, Jonah, do you understand that I have shown you so much mercy? And the thing about Jonah, too, is we're going to see this later a little bit more in depth. But Jonah wasn't a great guy. Yeah, he was a prophet. He was an Israelite. But he supported a pretty wicked king in the northern kingdom and prophesied for him and didn't speak out against his sins. I mean, Jonah wasn't exactly a great guy. And neither are we, are we? If we know, if we really examine our hearts, we are going to be, we, sh- we should be like this woman who is um, pouring out uh, grace and love because she has been forgiven so much. But Jonah, he thinks he's okay. He thinks he's got it together. Jonah, here's the thing, and this is why Jonah couldn't have mercy or show grace to Nineveh because he was using them as a way of making himself seem more righteous. What Jesus says is, if you really receive his mercy, if you really take the gift of his grace, you're going to want to share that with others. Those who are forgiven little, love little. Those who are forgiven much, love much. And so, the question for you is, do you realize the depth of your sin and how amazing His mercy is for you? Or are you running from that? Are you, are you are like Jonah, we're going to see later, he... He runs towards God to get away from him. A lot of people do good things and live good lives to hide from Jesus. Or are you receiving his mercy? And does that um, cause you to, to have love and grace for even the worst? So coming up next week, we're going to see that there are more ways than one to run from God. We see it this way. It's just, see you later. I'm out of here. I, I'm by God. And we're going to see later there's also another way, which is sometimes running towards God to hide from him. Okay, But unbelievers, if you're, if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, are you running from God? Do you, are you running from what he is calling you to? Does it seem that crazy? Are you running from his grace? Let me tell you. He, 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 he's chasing after you, offering you the gift of grace and mercy. Just take it. It's a gift. 
But for those of us who know Jesus, who claim the faith, who claim to be followers of Jesus, are you running? Are, are is the situations, or the calling, or the, the location, situation in your life, is it such that it makes you want to run from God because it, it doesn't make sense? And, and, and Jonah is a lesson to say, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. God is going to call, sometimes call you into situations that are going to be painful, that you're not going to understand, that are going to be perplexing. But, and, but God makes no mistakes. And he is working all things together for good. That is a promise. So does his call seem crazy? And does where he's put you seem ludicrous? And then so, can you trust him in it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you.